Since the dawn of civilization, humans have endeavored to become stronger and faster. From the invention of the wheel to today, history is replete with men and women who have applied innovation to fitness. But in the past 50 years, while millions have made livings in this industry, a select few have taken that passion to the highest level, creating brands and products known across the globe. Today we celebrate these pioneers, for they are the Gym Class Heroes. All right, welcome to Gym Class Heroes of Fitness, presented by Athletic Business Magazine and the iClubs Conference. You can join us November 20th through 22nd, 2013 in San Diego, California, where you will get strategies for independent clubs, get incredible, hear incredible guest speakers. You may even meet the great Irvin Magic Johnson and uh, and Buck, uh, Buck. Buck to his friends. Oh, the, oh, that's right. We've given away who it is, isn't it? Buck Johnson. Yeah. A lot of people don't know that. That's what his good friends call him. We are not his good friends. <laughs> we should make that clear. We don't even know him, but we've seen a lot of his games. Anyways... We have an incredible guest from San Diego today um, that uh, I think of the – when we came up with this idea for Gym Class Heroes of Fitness, uh, this was one of the names that immediately popped to mind because this is somebody who really took an idea and made it big and has become a hero to so many and inspires so many. And I think a lot of our listeners who who have their own ideas and want to do something great. Um, uh, Tom Caponera from Total Gym. How are you today, Tom? Good. I'm good. And by good. the way, it is better weather here than Maryland. I hate to say oh, that. no. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> but you don't have leaves falling. We have leaves falling. Wait, first of all, first of all. Foliage. We call it foliage. We, we have leaves falling. We, have, we actually have color here. Not like <laughs> you have color, but we have color. You, um, But you're a Philadelphia guy. I am a Philadelphia guy. So are you, does Philadelphia still run through you, or are you completely, uh, have you completely abandoned the East Coast, and, and now you're just some uh, – some uh, beachy-haired beach surfer. Yeah, I have a band these because although my daughter lives in Williamsburg, uh, in Brooklyn, in New York, so we still oh. have a little connection back there. But I got as far away from Philly as I could get, San Diego. Yeah, by choice. Eagles or uh, Eagles or Chargers? I probably lean more tar- to Chargers than Eagles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's by choice, pa- definitely by choice. Phillies or Padres? I'm not a baseball fan. Sorry. All right, there you go. <laughs> so I don't go there. Gotcha. So, um. But but speaking of sports, you know, I was reading about your story, and uh, were it not for a, a a motorcycle accident, we might be talking to a professional football player. I mean, were, no, were we talking that kind of level? No, 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 no. Much uh, no? too small. I'm a little too guy. I'm a little guy. What what West position? Walker. Wes Walker. What's that? Wes Walker. He's a little yeah, guy. Right. Yeah. He's tearing it up. I'm even littler than that, man. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, position? I played high school football. That was about it. Just running back and punt return, stuff like that. Jesse played uh, college ball, but he took care. He took after the wife's side of the family. So he had a little more height, a little more, you know, a little more uh, girth than uh, than our side. Our side is very, unfortunately, the Italian side of our family is a little on the on the shorter, you know, more intelligent side. I guess. <laughs> you uh, got to make up make up for the shortcomings. Right. Um, exactly. So you're uh, so going back to Philadelphia. You were first job. Tell me about your first job. Oh man, I did everything. I mean, I worked from when I was a little kid. I worked with my dad. He was in the pool table business. He used to install and cover and refurbish pool tables. So from the earliest time I can remember, I worked with him in, in some of the despicable, you know, bars of Chester and Delaware and all up and down the East Coast. Uh, you know, installing and recovering pool tables. So I, that was kind of my first job. Well, you know, the irony of that first job is that uh, if we if we if I remember correctly in our interview with Jesse, he mentioned that you made him have his first job repolstering uh, total gyms. Uh, uh, yes. Uh, the seats on them. Boards. That's right. Yeah, I had the to board. build a stand so he could stand up at the uh, at the upholstery machine. Yeah. That's and funny. then he very quickly and he very quickly became management from what we understand by, yeah. by bringing in some of his friends. Little sucker, yep. He took the uh, the money I was giving him, and he carved off a little piece for other people, and then he uh, he took the took the rest, which is okay. I said that's fine as long as the quality control is there. Once that happens, you're done. He took that from the Italian side of the family, apparently. That's possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so what makes you uh, so you do that? What where, what gets you out of Philadelphia? 
uh, the weather. When I was in the bodybuilding, you know, I came out to the West Coast in the early 70s to find the secrets, but uh, uh, the secrets were not very nice uh, to see, but the weather was fabulous. So I always had a goal to, before I settled down, before I got into business, I wanted to either live in Florida or Southern California. I actually moved to Florida and lasted about two weeks. The humidity and the attitudes of the people just did not fit my lifestyle desires. So I, I transitioned to uh, San Diego, and it's been ever since, since, since 1974. And you got out there to get into competitive bodybuilding? No, I had given up on that. I, I, had, I had done my career because the steroids came in real heavy. I wasn't going to go there. I had too many friends at the top. Uh, I won't mention any names. Some of them are still in the industry that you know, were having all kinds of health issues, and I said that's really not where it's at for me. So, no, no, I really came to California to, to – uh, to really get my spiritual life under control, to find the right girl, to settle down, because I knew if I, if I settled down in Philly, I'd be stuck there, and to, and to get into my own business. I had been into some other businesses on the East Coast, but nothing formally or major. So when I came to California, they were my three goals, and within six months, I had all three of those accomplished. So that was pretty cool. What do you mean by the spirituality that you were looking for? Well, I don't know if you want to get too deep into that, but I was, uh, I was in, let's say, a very uh, – uh, frivolous uh, lifestyle uh, at the time. And, uh, you know, projecting that out over a long period of time probably would not have been a very healthy environment. So I had to really get my Christianity under control. And I figured, you know, getting that, get, getting centered in that part of your life is always a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ran, I, I met my, my wife, Joy, at the time, and uh, she was a very spiritual lady and, and uh, it all came together. But that's, you know, I mean, I don't know where you're at conviction wise, but my belief is when you put it in God's hands, he he pretty much can uh, come through for you way above your expectations. I dig that. Yeah. Yeah. So you said something uh, right at the beginning, which is when you came out and sort of uh, started to look at the the, find the secrets of bodybuilding, you were surprised by by what you found. Uh, It didn't sound like a positive. What did you find? Uh, I found that, you know, all of us who are in the field and in the game at the level we were in, competing in a national level, you know, we're all working out about the same magnitude, but why were so many people far ahead of other people? And uh, it was because of all the juice they were taking, you know. And when I found that out, I found, whoa, I said, man, the secrets have nothing to do with the type of training, the methodology, the, you know, the equipment. It all had to do with could your body tolerate the, uh, the use of uh, all the different uh, types of uh, growth hormones and things like that. Of course, now it's out of control. It's totally out of control right now. But back then, it was just starting to come into play. Um, but even at that level, there were still indications of, of, of damage that was going to be done if you went that route. So, I, you know, I had reached the top. I had competed in the Mr. America contest a couple of times. I was in the, the amateur Mr. World. Uh, I came in third in my height class. So, you know, I had accomplished really a lot um, for what we wanted to do. And my trainer always said, if you ever go that route, then he's out of here. And he's actually still in, he still lives in St. Diego. He's 92 years old. His name is John Bicelli. I have, I'm having lunch with him today. He's been one of my major mentors throughout my, my whole life. And, uh, he's just a great, great little character to say the least. Okay. So this, I, I'm assuming that you're, this is, uh, seventies that you're sort of peaking at your, in your bodybuilding. Is that right? I stopped competing in 70, 70, 71. I did some lifeguarding down in New Jersey. That's what got me into a pretty frivolous lifestyle. I had to wake up and say, you know, I'm going to be 23, 24, 25 here pretty soon. Better get my act together. So that's when I started formulating that, you know, I want to kind of move on. Gotcha. So you're in Southern California in the uh, early 70s, mid 70s, uh, even late 60s, it sounds like to a certain extent. Um, You're, you know, there are, there are stories of that time with some of the, you know, the, the big names of our time, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, all those guys. Are yeah. you are you running in circles with them? No, I met Arnold. I met I met a lot of these guys when I when I was in my last competing era. Um, I don't know if you remember some of these names. Chris uh, Chris uh, Dickerson was in that competition. Uh, um, I'm not good with names. Pete Grimkowski, you know, Pete ran Gold's Gym for a while. I knew him from the yep. East Coast. So so there was and Arnold was just coming into play. So I was really at the end of of his beginning. If you want to, if you want to put it in that time frame, so I think he came in in the in the seven early seventies, and I, I I I was done. All right, so I mean, I think I think everybody wants to know uh, the most you ever benched. 
uh, one rep? I was not, you know, maybe 400. Oh, you say that so nonchalantly. <laughs> Well, I, I pick up a four ounce. I pick up a four ounce burrito, and I, I'm I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I was not a very. I was. I mean, I was a little guy. I was only like five six. You know, my competing weight was like one fifty seven. So you know, um, I did some powerlifting for a while, and I think probably the maximum I did, ever did was like close to four hundred, which is a lot of weight. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's a ridiculous amount. Of, I mean, relative to, I mean, that's uh, what two and a half times your body weight. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's unbelievable. I, I am more likely to get to 400 than to lift yeah. 400 ever in my life. I'm not going to say how, how much the, uh, the spotter helped me with that rep. <laughs> or both of them. Um, yeah, both of right. it, would, it would be a whole lot more if my spotters – I would need two spotters who could each pick up 200 pounds to be able to pick up my 400 pounds. That's how much, that's how much effort right. I would be able to put uh, apply to it. So, As we all know, it's really irrelevant the amount of weight you can do. So. Yeah, yeah. So, so what – sets you on a business path you're in san diego you're finding the right path for yourself uh yeah so i uh, i see a concept uh, an inclined plane concept that actually was designed in the late 1800s there was a product out in the in this in the in this in around 74 75 out of la really cheap you know i, I always describe it as a cheap piece of lawn furniture you know it was a board just like i told you i'm board moving with pulleys it was called the dynagem at the time um, didn't last very long. We saw the concept immediately. I said, man, this is unbelievable. I mean, where else can you take your, your body weight, put it on a piece of equipment, change the incline, <clears throat> change the amount of resistance you're working with, change the body position and do hundreds of exercises. This thing was just unbelievable. Um, so what we did was we took that and we said, but the problem is it needs to be really redesigned into a, a much higher quality. We had some other great ideas and functionality that we put on it. And we created the Total Gym business in uh, September of 74, and it kind of came into fruition in, in uh, the year 75. The challenge we want, had. Yeah, go ahead. I just want you to know that I was uh, exactly two months old uh, yeah, yeah, I know. when Thanks. it came into fruition. So <laughs> I, and, and I just want you to know the only reason I didn't invent it is because I was only two months old. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me of that. I always ask people, that you, you, were you, you weren't even born when we started the company. So that's, that's always a scary thought. Um, Hold on, I got a question. This, yeah, you said this goes back. This technology goes back to the 1880s. Yeah, there was a patent way back in 1870. I forget what it was. In fact, I can't even find that anymore. But it was a, it was a, it was two pieces of wood hooked to a wall at an incline with a rolling board and two ropes. And the guy was had come up with a way to strengthen the cross country ski movement, where you kneel down and you pull yourself, mm -hmm. and that was it. That's what the product did. No kidding. So, so I always I don't give claim to coming up with the total gym. I I give claim to that guy, whoever he was. He he, he did it. That's funny. Yeah. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. I, who would have known that? Um, I got you. So so uh, so you figure this out. Keep on going. Yeah. So so then the the challenge was we were so passionately involved in the product that we had to figure out how to market it. So our our brilliant marketing minds realized that there was no there was no VHS machines, no DVDs, no cell phones, no no cable TV at the time. So there was no way to really demonstrate the product except physically. And what we started to do was we started to do trade shows, health shows, uh, anything that had to do with people that we could demonstrate to. And we morphed into a 200 a year trade show company. So we would do 200 trade shows a year. And what we found out was that there were a lot of professional trade shows out there. So, for example, if you want to get to a professional person, you, you can't do it. You can't walk into their office and go, hey, I want to demonstrate the Total Gym to you. So you go to their, their industry trade show because they're out of their environment. They're walking up and down the aisle. You know, you know who they are. So we ended up doing every conceivable trade show you could imagine, from every physical therapy, orthopedic surgeons, every medical person. We did the American Bankers Association. We did the dental shows. We, we, we had more dentists buy our product than anybody. <laughs> Why? <laughs> for well, for tooth excursion? They all tooth had extraction? horrendous back problems. They were sitting in a chair all day, leaning over, horrendous back problems. So we'd get them on the unit, we'd, we'd, we'd lay them inverted, they'd stretch out, they'd go, oh, wow, this feels so good. And then we'd get them to do some exercises, they'd whip out their charge card, and they'd buy the product. Boy, that's funny. It's unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Yeah. How were the bankers? <laughs> the bankers were a little boring, but same thing. You know, what we figured were all professional people from the ages of 45 up had, a, had, uh, had back issues. Because they're sitting in a chair all day, they're not working out, they're they're out of shape. Um, I got to tell you a funny story though. If you want to have a funny story, 
so we're doing these trade shows, right? So we find this one trade show called the, it was a psychiatric trade show, and it was in New York City. And we're at this psychiatric trade show, and we're in this line of booths, and the only thing in the, in the booths were books. But downstairs were all the sex therapy booths with all the <laughs> videotapes, right? I thought, oh, no, what are we doing here? What are we doing here? So we're in this booth, and all of a sudden, there's nobody around. All of a sudden, we hear these people screaming at the top of their lungs down the hallway. And we're thinking, oh, my gosh, something's going on. Let's be, let's be ready. So here comes these people walking down the hallway, and they all have these glazed looks on their eyes. They're like zombies, right? It was a scream therapy class. And I, I looked at my part. I said, we shouldn't be here, man. These people are wackos. All of a sudden, the doors next to us open up, and all these hundreds of people pour out of this room, right? So we – being the demonstrators, we started demonstrating, working out, and, and these people, they're getting on the unit, and they're giving us their charge cards, and we sold like 10 units in like 15 minutes. <laughs> all of a sudden, they go back into the room, and we're going, what the heck was that all about? We start looking at their cards, you know, and it's Dr. So-and-so, DDS, and Dr. So-and-so, DDS, and I'm thinking, what the heck is a DDS? <laughs> you know what a DDS is, right? Dentist. That's dentist. A dentist. Yeah. That's how we got into the dental market. <laughs> we were at, we were at a, a psychiatric sex therapy convention, and we ended up selling to dentists. <laughs> and one of the guys we sold to was the was had ended up being the president of the American Dental Association, had phenomenal results on the Total Gym, and he invited us to exhibit at the American Dental Association. And we were the only non-dental related company ever invited to that show. No kidding. That is such a cool story. That no, is I'm such a cool you. story. Yeah, we sold a lot of dentists, man. It was funny. <laughs> so it's funny. I mean, okay, other than the, uh, I don't know how you top the sex therapy dentist, doctors uh, walking out of room screen therapy story, but 200, uh, 200 trade shows a year, uh, a year or more. Uh, and you're married at this time. Oh yeah, we were all over the place. Uh, my poor kids took a beating when when they were young because I was never around. But um, but what it did was it gave us a, a look into the future. And the reason I say that is because a lot of the shows we did were uh, athletic training, orthopedic surgeons, and physical therapists, and that's where all the research is really done in our industry. And what we saw was there was a major paradigm shift in about the mid '80s away from the fixed plane, you know, the old Cybex uh, single plane um, open chain rehab for the knee. And they were getting away from that because it was not, a, it was not conducive to the uh, rehabilitation process or the surgical procedure. And they sucked the total gym right in. They found it as a functional, versatile, calibrated machine. You know, at the time we were only selling them for like, you know, 800, 900 bucks. And the Cybex machine was like $60,000. So we really kind of got pulled into the rehab environment and started to set up a lot of rehab centers and learned rather quickly that a rehab center was like a trade show because every, every, every center had patients coming in. And 80, we found out 80 or 90% of the patients ended up on our product. So then we started to uh, kind of indirectly market to the patient. If you want a unit for your home after you're done rehabbing, we built a, a what, we, what we called at the time kind of our home, home unit model was a it was 11,000 or 1,100 model at the time. And that really got us solidified in an arena that we felt like we could really build a credible business and affect a lot of people's positively. But it also gave us a look into the future because, as you guys know, in the 80s is when really the functional training movement started. I mean, we were doing functional training in 85, 86, 87. And, you know, it's only been popular in the last five or so years now. So, you know, that's a big window of, of seeing what's happening. And the reason I bring that up was because when we when we finally um, well I don't know you want to ask more questions or I can keep going it's up to you no I'm keep going with this okay so then what happened is the uh, the cable TV market came online I don't know if you remember that you're old enough to remember that but sure there used to be three stations on TV NBC CBS and ABC all of a sudden cable TV comes on and there's 25 stations out there now there's hundreds but 25 stations but guess what happened no programming. There was no programming, and that's what they needed programming to generate revenues. So the marketeers, the direct marketeers came in, and that's what the that, that, that was the start of the short form, one minute, two minute, and then the long form infomercial. So we started to see things on TV. If you remember back when, you know, the Nordic Track, the Bowflex, those, those products were on TV, and they were selling like hotcakes. 
and we said, my goodness, if we could just get our story out there, because at the time, you know, we had already uh, we had already met Chuck Norris in 1978 when he was a, a eight-time world champion martial artist had had uh, uh, martial arts studios wasn't in the movies yet was just starting to do the movies um, and we he he fell in love with Total Gym and for 20 years we sent every couple of years we'd send a Total Gym into these jungles of of Peru and and uh, everywhere I mean it was crazy it, it was just <laughs> he'd call up, I need a Total Gym and uh, in the Philippines, you know, next month we're doing a movie there. I have nothing to work out on. Okay, Chuck, we'll get it there for you. <laughs> but what happened was is the, the marketers started to have a lot of success on TV. And we, if you remember back again, the athletic training market, we were we had customers like uh, Herb Schneider at the Chicago White Sox. We had Larry Mayo at the Yankees and Jeff Torborg. And I can't say Jackie Joyner-Kersey and all these top athletes were using our product. And we thought, wow, if we could just tell our story. So in 90, 94, 95, we started to look into the infomercial business, and we had a rude awakening, and the rude awakening was there was not much integrity in that business. They really were throwing junk. Anything they threw at the, at the wall would stick. It would, they'd make a lot of money. They'd be in and out in a year or two. They wouldn't even have to worry about customer service. The FTC wasn't you know what it is now, and it wasn't, and they were just – it was crazy. We had people – I mean I, – I, I had meetings where I just said, man, there's no, no way. I would, I mean, no integrity. But we were lucky enough in uh, 94, 95 to go to a, a show that was actually run by a guy who had rehabbed on the Total Gym and said, this is a great product. This needs to be on TV. He invited us to this thing called Treasure Hunt. And uh, this is a funny story because we had, we had said to ourselves, we're not doing this infomercial stuff because it, it, we want a long-term deal. We want to be able to tell our story at a high level, and these people that, that we know are not going to do this stuff. So we just said forget it. So I got this flyer in the mail. I tell this story. It was like on a, on a, on a neon-colored paper, you know, and I got this flyer, and it said, make millions on TV, you know, and I took that thing, and I crunched it up, and I threw it in the trash can. And that sucker kept glaring at me. He was like, boom, boom. I took it out, I unrolled it, and I took it to my partner at the time, and I said, you know what, we're going to do this. We're going to do this treasure hunt, and if we can't get the deal we want, we're never going to mention this thing again. <laughs> so we go to this show, and you're going to see why these trade shows became so important. This show, we went to Century City in Beverly Hills, and we had 22 appointments. So we had to go schlup our product into a suite, demonstrate it in 10 minutes, give our pitch, and on to the next one. Well, we were pretty darn good at that from doing 200 trade shows. I can tell you we were darn good at that. Right. We had five companies out of that show that wanted to do an infomercial with us. And um, believe it or not, the, one, the, the American telecasts who we work with now were, were labeled as the Rolls Royce of the industry. They're still here. They were one of the first companies in the industry in the late 70s. Um, we did a fabulous uh, – the, the great thing about them is they listened to us. Nobody else. They just wanted to build a cheap product, mark it up four times, sell it for two or three, four years, and get out of the business. They did listen, but they still didn't believe it. Um, you know, we told them, hey, here's the future. Here's what's coming in 10, 15, 20 years from now. This whole function training environment, body weight conditioning is where it's going to be. And if we position ourselves properly, we start talking about that at the right time, you bring in some of these testimonials that we have, we'll have a 10 or 15-year project here. Well, after they got done laughing at the top of their lungs, and Tom, you know, how many people have sat in that chair, and all this, this, and I'm sure, yeah, yeah. I said, well, how many people have sat in the chair and have come to you with a product that's been out in the market 20 years that can see the future? <laughs> no, nobody. Yeah. So fortunately, they listened. Fortunately, they had the integrity that people like Chuck and Christy and, and, and the testimonials we've had over the years would deal with them because of their integrity. Yeah. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's really history. We're the longest running, most successful infomercial ever. We're in our, I think we're in our 17th year. So next year it'll be 18 years. Still going very, very strong. A lot of strategy around that. Yeah, a lot of strategy around that. A lot of things on the back end. You know, when we started with them, we had about a little under 2,000 rehab centers touching about a million people. We now have 14,000 rehab centers touching about 20 million people. Mm. And we're in the health club market, probably a couple thousand clubs in the U.S., and we got 25 distributing com companies or countries around the world. So it's really an integrated, very integrated process. Um, we think a lot of people that that uh, that see the infomercial have had some kind of contact, either in a club or a rehab center. 
So they've had a positive experience. And then we're looking at the next element of our future, which Jesse alluded to, which I can't say anything about. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say you are absolutely a professional because I had no idea how you were going to get from dentists in the sex show to the infomercial, and it's less than five minutes, and you did it perfectly. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Unbelievable. Did you tell? Did they? Did it come up in the meeting with the infomercial people? Were you like, we have Chuck Norris attached? I mean, did that start? Did oh yeah, you, sure. The first thing I'll tell you. Here's another funny story. First thing they ask you is who uses your product? <laughs> who uses our product? So we have a whole list of people, right? So I'm sitting. This is before American Telecom. I'm sitting at the top of this, you know, this plush office building in Century City with the biggest marketing company at the time. They're not even in business now. The big guy comes in, you know, he says, oh, we really like your product. We want to we want to we want to do a deal with you. And uh, who uses your product? OK, well, you know, Chicago White Sox and nee, 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 nee. Chuck Norris and Chuck Norris. Oh, he would be the worst person to have as a testimonial. And Larry and I, who we both grew up in the martial arts field. And of course, we'd known Chuck now. This was in what, 96. So we've known Chuck now for 20 years. We know kind of a guy is. We know his passion and involvement in fitness. We know his intensity. You know, we know his integrity. And we looked at each other and we just said, goodbye. Yeah. We left. Wow. Chuck Norris has, has got the, one of the highest Q ratings of any celebrity. He, you know, his show, Walker, Texas Ranger, was the second, the second behind Baywatch in 1.1 billion people a week watching that show. We were on that show four times. The Total Gym was on that show four times. Really? I mean, Chuck is a, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, what do you say about Chuck Norris? I mean, you know, when Chuck Norris works out on Total Gym, by the way, everybody gets in shape. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. We can end this. We can end this because we didn't even need to ask him. He just didn't, you deliver. You are a That's professional, it. sir. You That's are it. a professional. Chuck works out. Everybody gets in shape. Oh my god, That's fun. So, were you, how are you marketing? Just real quick, because I want to keep on going. But how are you marketing between the trade shows and then getting into this world? How were you getting the name out? Were you doing print? Were you doing any kind of? No, uh, we weren't. We didn't have too much money, and 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 we were in so many different markets. So I guess one of the, you might say one of our, if 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 marketing professional marketing people would would look at that era in our business, they would have said you guys were idiots. You were idiots. You should have just concentrated on one area. And I say wait, yeah, but hindsight says no. Hindsight says because we did all those areas, we were one of the very few com companies that knew what was coming. Yeah. What if we didn't? What if we just concentrated on the dental industry or, you know, the whatever industry? I don't know. But because we got into the rehab, the orthopedic surgeons industry, the, you know, all the medical professionals, the athletic training, you know, we knew, we knew what was coming. And we got credibility for our product along the way that obviously would help us morph it into, you know, rebranding and, it, and morph it into a lot of different areas. What did you so, think so the company I, was – what did you think the company was going to be before you got into television? I mean, where did you – how big did you see it getting – Oh, gosh, here we go. Great question. Okay, so my original partner, Doug Marino, who's no longer alive today, him and I were, were sitting on a beach in La Jolla, California. And I'm not going to tell you what we were, <laughs> what we were <laughs> doing at the time. <laughs> but uh, we're sitting there, we're trying to come up with a name. And, and Doug, I actually give him the credit, he came up with Total Gym. And I said, oh, God, what a perfect name. And I said, you know what? Someday, Total Gym is going to be in every house. It's going to be in every conceivable venue that has anything to do with physical fitness. We didn't know about rehab at the time, so I, I couldn't say that. But So our goal, our mission has always been to make Total Gym a top-line choice in every single category of the market. So if you're a consumer and you want to get in shape, Total Gym's got to be a choice. If you're a rehab professional and you want a functional piece of equipment, Total Gym's got to be a choice. If you're a health pub, if you're whatever – because my feeling is if I have a choice, I have a shot at your business. I'm not going to get 100% of everybody, but put me up there with anybody, and, and, and I think I have a good shot. Hmm. And that, that's been our, our goal and vision since the beginning. So I want to I talk a little bit about your mentors a little bit yeah. and, and sort of, sort of – uh, you, you mentioned a couple, but who was, who was the girl or the guy who really made a difference for you? Um, I'm, I'm just bringing my little dog back in here. She's wandering on me. So, okay, the biggest <laughs> mentor I had was John Bicelli, my trainer, mm -hmm. the 92-year-old, sharp as a tack guy. I'll have lunch with him today. 
And he taught me a couple things. He, he taught me one big thing in bodybuilding that really translates to the world and translates to everything, and that is quality, not quantity. So in the bodybuilding realm, just because you're the biggest guy, that's not, a, that's not quality for your life or your physique or whatever you are. If you're in business, quantity, big size, you know, whatever is not necessarily the aspect. It's got to be a quality orientation. got to be a quality product. got to be a quality business. got to be a quality. Everything's got to be based on that high-quality aspect. So that's probably the biggest thing that, that he taught me. Um, and he's probably, he's, he's my, my biggest mentor. I've had a lot of other mentors along the way. I've just had a lot of good people that have, that have believed in us and have helped us along the way. I mean, we started the company with $350 and we started making our prototypes because the guy that, the, the, the guy that owned the, the little welding shop that we went to first, he, he just loved us, you know, he invited us over dinner three times a week, you know, cause we didn't have any money to buy food. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, and then I, and that's been our attitude in business. You know, I mean, I do a lot of, uh, I don't know if I should say that in this thing, but a lot of people come to us because they think we have the magic bullet. We, we really don't, but we do have a passion for inventors and we do have a passion to help people because one of our, our, our mission statement is that we, we have to make a positive effect in people in the lives of people we touch, whether it's the UPS driver or whether it's a customer or whether it's you guys or whatever, you know, that's kind of what drives us. You know, it seems like when we're doing these interviews and we're talking to a lot of folks uh, who are sort of the gym class heroes of fitness, one of the things that's a common theme across all of them is uh, whether it's their idea or someone else's idea, they, 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 they see something and they have the vision to see it get bigger, yeah. uh, whether it's building a facility or building a piece of equipment or, you know, uh, starting an, uh, a Formula One race car team or an IndyCar race car team. I mean, it's, it's, really, it's really amazing how how the 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 commonality amongst all sort of entrepreneurs really uh it, it's there i mean it's it's amazing to me yeah it is it, it's a it, it's interesting whatever you want to call it vision passion i think uh, you know i mean i think it, our our we have more passion around our product now than we did originally you know and i think that's a critical issue because without passion you're, you're you get distracted by money or you get distracted by other things you also get distracted by you know crud that keeps you from progressing like the economy or our government or you know whatever you want to list but I think when you have that passion and that vision and you know how to you know you know the mechanism behind goal setting and you know how the brain works and all that it it helps you to uh, to progress to that higher level for sure so do so you, you oh let me I do have one more question about that. So you have a uh you you said you you sort of have a passion for other entrepreneurs and, and inventors. Um what kind of uh what kind of product what kind of pitches are you getting? What are you seeing out there that's like wow, this is this is going to be the next thing 20 years from now? Uh not a whole lot. I, I, unfortunately, a lot of people that come to me have Me Too stuff. I have to give them the bad news that you know what you you probably won't have you probably have a hard time getting it patented or protected. Um, you know, they all want to they all want the big enchilada. You know, they all want to be on TV making millions and millions of dollars. That industry is very very difficult right now. It's very hard to make a product work on a long form. As you know, if you watch things on TV, they're twenty nine ninety five. They've created themselves into a box. We're an enigma. We've been out there so long. You know, we can make a long form work. We do short form as well. Um, I, I haven't seen much, and I, I do see a lot of different, you know, types of inventions and all that. But it, at least in our category, I haven't seen much innovation. So, you know, did did the guy who invented the the snuggie uh, ever come and pitch to you? Was there an idea that was pitched to you that later on did become big? Did you ever pass on something that you uh, later on were like, wow, I should have done it? No, 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 no. I got a one right now I'm helping that's actually testing this week, but it's in the housewares. It's in the housewares field, but it's a really cool little product. And, um, and I've been consulting with him with, I, I do a little bit of a consulting situation, but I don't try to get distracted. I don't try to go too much into that area. What is, um, have you ever had other celebrities come to you and ask to, to be in the, uh, infomercials to be, your you know, they do that. They do that through American telecast. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, they're they're well connected in that area. Gotcha. Um, it would be awesome if you could turn down Arnold Schwarzenegger. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I don't think I don't think Arnold, Arnold Arnie's a good. He's a, he's been given a total. Chuck gave him a total gym years ago. I don't know if he used it or not. He should. From what some of the pictures I've seen, he he should start using something. Well, I would be happy to be a before picture if that's what you need. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. There I'm you go. I'm available. So, um, uh. 
I mean, would, would you say the luckiest moment then would be you have two lucky moments. One, you came across a patent from 1880, obviously, and the second lucky moment was the 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 DDS uh, introduction of Total Gym to the DDS folks. Were those your lucky no, moments? I don't, I don't look at lucky mo. I think that I think when you're you create your own you know, luck. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think as you progress and as you as you have passion for something, as you as you move forward making decisions, and you're aware of things, and you have, you know, you, you, I, I try to explain to young people. I said the way I look at it, it's like a it's like a ticker tape. You know, opportunity is like a ticker tape, and it's just in front of you all the time, and all these opportunities are flying by. The problem is we don't look at it, we don't reach up and grab one and go for it. So you know, yeah, you make your own luck for sure. Can you can you tell us if you've uh there's any decisions you've regretted making in business or, or personally uh, uh, that you're like, wow, I wish I had known what I know now. I wouldn't have done it. I don't spend much time on that stuff. You know, you can't change the past. I think everything that you've done in the past, you have to make it work for the future. If I had to say anything, I would probably say nothing. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, listen, I was, I was, no, no, Tom, honestly, I was going to bail you out right there because a lot of the folks we've talked to, had the same thing. They're like, hey, you know, it wasn't a bad, I don't ever look at it as a bad decision. I look at it as a learning, learning curve. Yeah, exactly. um, and so, so it's, it, it's, again, it's just every, it seems there's a lot of commonalities between a lot of the, a lot of the folks we've talked to. Um, let's change gears a little bit uh, and, and talk about uh, something a little bit more about you. What's your guilty pleasure? What do you do? I mean, you're, you, you work That's out. Your guilty healthy. pleasure? Yeah, we want to know what your guilty <laughs> pleasure is. I mean, you can't be, you, you, you're, 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 you're living a clean life. You're living in oh. the most beautiful city in the world, according to you, minus Maryland. Uh, what's your guilty pleasure? Is it chocolate? I mean, I, I don't know. What is your guilty pleasure? Little dogs, maybe? <laughs> Let's see. It. I love little dogs. I love little dogs. I have one little dog right here. I lost uh, my other little dog about three or four weeks ago, her buddy, okay. for 15 years. But anyway, yeah, I love little dogs. She comes to work every day with me. Um, what's my guilty pleasure? Goodness gracious. Yeah, I like I, I like wine. I love wine. You know, we, we actually have a, a wine label, Campanero Cuvée. So um, I, I like wine. I like good food. I like good food, although I just changed my whole stinking eating eating habits over the last uh, four months. You know, I got off gluten, got off red meat. I'm not vegan, but uh, you know, I'm I'm certainly getting in that direction, and it's working pretty well. That's the opposite of a guilty pleasure. You got yeah. the other. But look, you, you're you're a red. Look, by the way, I don't know how many people know you're a red wine. Uh, you're a wine uh, onophile. Is that the right word? Onophile. Um, yeah. What kind? What's your? Uh, what's what's the Campanero wine that we should be all drinking? What what's the vintage? The best vintage so far? Well, we make our own wine, but we don't make it to sell. So we have we have a Tempranillo, we have a Cab, and we have a blend. But the, I think the best wines are Italian wines. I mean, I'm just partial to Italian wines. I've tasted wines from all over the world, and I just always gravitate back to Italian wines. Is, I, I just think they're great. Do you have a you have a vin your own vineyard as well? Uh, no, I have a little dinky vineyard. I'm getting rid of it, but we we don't. No, I don't. I yeah, I've got I've got to get rid of my dinky vineyard too, uh, Tom. <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe, we, <laughs> maybe you guys could do a package deal. Yeah, package deal. You buy his, his dinky yeah, vineyard. Right, 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 mine. Right. mine goes in for free. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, what's your uh, What's your advice for uh, anybody who's starting out in this industry and a young entrepreneur wants to make their move? What would you tell them? In the product area, or in the or in the training area, or in the club owner area? Any anywhere. I've always said the same thing. I think you have to find your passion in life. I told both of my kids, find your passion and do that. Forget the money. The money will come. So my advice is, forget the money and find your passion. If you have a passion in fitness, whatever that is, learn all you can about it. Progress in it. Goal, set your goals long term, stay committed to it, and, and love what you're doing, and, and you'll always be satisfied, whether you make a lot of money, no money, or a little money. Chances are, if you're passionately involved in something and you stick with it, if it's got opportunity, you'll probably do okay financially. Do you still work out on the total gym? I do. There you go. All right, so we got to ask the question. Uh, you're passionate about the total gym. It's your job. Oh. It's your life. It's your life creation. Uh, oh, but if you if you could only do one workout for the rest of your life, the same workout every single day, 
what would it be? Oh, I would, I would, I would do Total Jam. I mean, why, why would I not? I mean, it does everything. I can do, I can do everything I want. I can change it on the spot. I can do any kind of, any kind of type of workout. I can grow old with that. That's what I tell people. You know, I'll be 66 this November. I said, you can grow old with that product. You can't grow old with a lot of the products out there in the marketplace. They'll kill you. All right. So you've created a, a top-selling piece of equipment in the world. You have a vineyard. Uh, you have an amazing, uh, amazing son who's taking over the business. And uh, oh, I can tell you, I have met you, and you do not look a day over 62. Wait a minute. Now, Jesse, Jesse's not taken over the business. He only has taken over the commercial business. He's taken over the global business. Well. He hasn't taken over the, the infomercial business. And he hasn't taken over the new business that's coming in, in, uh, at the end of this year. So be careful with that statement. <laughs> but, but he is he is your number one upholsterer, right? I mean, you're not going to take yeah. that away from him, are you? Yeah, no, no, he can still upholster. <laughs> um, so you, going back a little bit to your childhood, because I think I'm a little bit curious. I, I assume you were uh, a pretty good athlete from, from what, what I've gathered so far. Well, you know, it's interesting. I was an only child. Interesting story is, um, you know, the Italian families are usually big, but my family, my parents – either couldn't have kids or it took a long time to figure out how to do it. But they were married 18 years before I came along. So I came along when my mom was 40 years old. And oh, wow. back then that was unheard of. So, sure. you know, they, they nicknamed me the walking tumor because they thought she had a tumor and not a baby. But, um, you know, as an early child, I really was into the calisthenics mode. I was into the push-ups and pull-ups and push. And as a little guy, I saw these, I saw these magazines on the shelf, you know, with the bodybuilders on the cover. And I said, Oh, I want to be one of those guys. So I started working out and then I started getting into bodybuilding and all that. And, and then, uh, that's what saved my life in that motorcycle accident. If I hadn't been, you know, muscular, because I went right through the windshield, broke my leg, I, you know, I cut my right near my juggler vein and all that kind of stuff. So, so, you know, that, and then I came out of that and, um, I couldn't play football anymore. So I couldn't play any sports because of my broken leg and all that. So I really got heavily into bodybuilding. So and, when, if you were in, if you were in third grade, right. Yeah. And you were, uh, the, the, the team had a, uh, they were picking teams for like a dodgeball game. What, um, where would you usually get picked? Were you picked early in the early one, one of the early guys who got picked or were you like Lee and I always got picked last because they had to take us? Early to mid, or I was, the, I was the picker. <laughs> By the way, that's the second person who's answered that that way. <laughs> I, I was destined to fail at an early age when I knew I never was the picker. Unbelievable. What'd you, uh, let me, let me ask you, what'd you learn about business following your dad around? Oh boy. Survival. I mean, you know, he would, we would go into some of these bars. I mean, 10 o'clock in the morning, the, the, the people in there would be already, you know, half gone Yeah. and they would, they would be very intimidating. And uh, he was a, he was a little guy, but he, uh, he stood up to him. So I would say, yeah, it's just survival, you know, and doing the best quality job you can do. He was a very quality oriented guy. Yeah. So I hey. give you an example. I asked him one time, I said, what did you do during the Depression? I mean, you know, you hear about the Depression. He said, I worked. He said, I worked three jobs. He said, I was a butcher. I said, why were you a butcher? He says, well, because I could feed my family with the butchery. And then I was a cabinet maker for RCA, so he learned how to paint and do woodworking. And then he worked in the pool table business, uh, upholstering and assembling pool tables. Interesting. Do you, uh, the last time you went to Philadelphia, did you do the, uh, I, I, every time I go to Philadelphia, two things I love to do. One, I love to watch people run up the, uh, the museum yeah. steps, get to the top and turn around and do the Rocky, uh, Rocky jump. Have you ever done that top? No. For full, no. Never even <laughs> been on the steps. Never been on the steps. Uh, do you ever go to, I think it's the ninth street market. There is a cheese shop in the ninth street market. Yeah. Ninth street. The Bruno ninth brothers. Street. Yeah, but Ninth Street's not Ninth Street anymore. It's, I think it's all Oriental now. It used to be all Italian. Yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of Vietnamese. But have you ever gone to De yeah. Bruno Brothers and had uh, gotten cheese from there? Yeah, I've been all over that. All my my family that came from Italy lived at uh, Broad and Reed, Broad and Tasker, uh, Reed Street, South Philly. You know, I, that's where I spend a lot of my time as as a kid. I mean, I can't go back there anymore right now. It's just it's sad. It's, it's crap. Mm -hmm. It's different. Yeah, it's different. It's, Let's say it lightly. 
right. Well, look, we're going to we're going to play a game here at the end that we've done with everybody. Yep. All right. I'm going to tell you going into it, nobody has ever gone through this without repeating an answer or using the word um or repeating what asking me to repeat something. I am confident, given that you are the first person who can go from dentist to infomercials with a stopover at a sex therapy uh, show, <laughs> that you are the first person who's going to be able to do this, and you're going to uh, you're going to be successful at it. So it's a word yeah. association. It's a yeah. word association. I give you a word. You give me uh, the first word that pops into your mind. First word is treadmill. Boring. Member. Necessary. Employee. Asset. Retention. Uh, key to success. Diet. Uh, longevity. Exercise. Longevity. Biggest Health. loser. I'm sorry? Biggest loser. Waste. Uh, 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 worthless. Spotting. Necessary. Healthcare. Oh, big challenge. Technology. Essential. Nintendo Wii Fit. Garbage. Locker room. Smelly. Gym class. Fun. You, sir, are a gym class hero of fitness. Well done. <laughs> Marvelously laid out. Marvelously, uh, you did repeat once, but uh, you picked, you caught yourself. But yeah, nonetheless, yeah. it was well done. A minus, uh, A minus. A minus. That's okay. I, sorry, got one other question for you. Go. Do you like the commercial industry, commercial health and fitness uh, space more, or the uh, individual uh, com uh, consumer space more? And what's the uh, difference? I like, What's the the I like the consumer space because I think we, we have a bigger impact in that space. Um, my challenge with the commercial fitness space is I grew up in that space. I worked in, you know, I worked in health clubs in the 60s when I was bodybuilding and all that. And darn it, they haven't changed that much. They're still in the charge card mode. You know, they don't realize that, that you know, the, the, the personal trainer, we, you know, we that used to be the bodybuilders were the personal trainers back in the 60s and 70s. Now their personal trainers are very well educated. They're certified. They're exercise physiologists, and they're treated like stinking commodities. Don't they get the fact that the relationships with their members for retention can come from that area, and they don't they don't treat those people very well as an industry? So, I guess you heard my frustration there. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm afraid and I love right the now. trainers. I, I love them. You know, I'll tell you why I love the trainers. They're just like physical therapists. Their total, total focus is bringing value to their, their client or their patient. They are consumed with that passion, and I love that. Hmm. Very good answer. I like um, that answer a lot. Last question I want to ask before we wrap up, and and you may not oh. have an you may not have an answer, but Whatever. we we talked about you know we asked you the um, biggest regrets, and you didn't have any. What was the scariest decision you've ever had to make in business could you pinpoint that yeah the, the scariest horrible decision is laying people off we've never in, in 30 some years we never had to lay people off and in this last downturn we saw it coming because of a, a group we were involved with and we had to lay off 10-year employees and it was a day that was just filled with nothing but tears because it's just a brutal situation i never ever want to go through that again and i can tell you jesse and i we he had a a person that reported to him that he had to let go and he lasted about a minute and he said dad can you do this and, mm -hmm. and it was just it was heartbreaking mm. it's just oh yeah, brutal brutal and so uh you got something big coming in december i know you're not going to tell yeah, us what it is but when are when are we going to know what it is Oh, you want give the us first a, scoop on it? Yeah, <laughs> give us something. Give us something. Listen, we're, Tom, we're trying to make this podcast happen and become us on, big. Can, put us on the map, put man. Us the map, put us on the map. We want to be like a, like Woodward and Bernstein here. <laughs> the only reason I can't tell you is because the uh, the legal documents haven't been haven't been registered yet, if that gives you any kind of an indication. But uh, uh, I, I'll tell you this. If you, if you get back to me, I should be able to talk about it. Maybe by the middle of October, or the end of October. Gotcha. And so it'll be public. It'll be public when? When will people know about it? I don't think we'll. We're actually thinking of launching soft in, in the industry 
between November and December, and then we'll we'll launch out bigger at like the big physical therapy show uh, combined sections in February, and then at URSA in March. Mm. Will be like you know the a, a larger kind of you know focal point. Um, it, it just makes sense. It completes our thing. It, it's something we've been doing uh, for the last six or seven years, but now it'll become kind of an official branded kind of um, business model. Mm-hmm. I can't say anything more than that. Oh, we Fair were on the press. <laughs> I will say I, 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 I'm, I'm having this vision of, of uh, Tom with joy and Jesse enjoys arms with a Volkswagen uh, camper riding around the country with an original uh, original, original total gym uh, in the back going to 200 trade shows. How accurate uh, is that? Well, I can tell you, Jesse never he, – he was born after that, but in the two or three years we did that, our little daughter Shannon was in the – she was the best booth draw ever. She was in a little bassinet at the back of the booth, and every wife that was at that trade show came by the booth. Oh, that's funny. See, that was awesome. Everybody's giving away little rubbery things, and all you need is a baby at the back of the booth. That's right. Oh, what's better than a little baby, right? <laughs> exactly. Tom, all right, uh, guys. This was fantastic. Thank you so much. Uh, we're, we're, this was very educational, and uh, you're a fantastic interview. We really didn't have to do well, a thing. Thanks. I appreciate <laughs> it. We didn't have to do it. I didn't. I didn't understand you were doing that thing in San Diego. Should I? Should I be aware of that or what? That... Absolutely, the iClubs conference. Uh, it's no. Yeah. It's part of the Athletic Business Conference. And oh, okay. Jesse's going to be there. Jesse's going to okay, be there. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right, great. Well, as long as we're represented. All and, right, cool. Uh, and uh, I would recommend you somehow interface with uh, John uh, Figarelli with the National Hall of Fame. I think I think he's doing a fabulous situation. Um, I'd love to see a lot of us that are in the business support that. Mm-hmm. Because it's the only place that really has the history. I mean, some of the stuff, and he has a presentation that would absolutely have you rolling on the floor. It is yeah. so funny and so good. It's crazy. And congratulations we, to you, by the yeah. way, on being named yeah, to that, the, was, that, was fun. that Hall of Fame. All right, guys, thanks. So, thank thanks. you, Tom. Have a great right. Bye, Tom. This has been Jim Class Heroes of Fitness.